Have you ever heard yourself say, I tend to be pretty hard on myself? Or maybe you say, I can be a bit of a perfectionist. Or maybe you even tell people, I really kind of beat myself up when I blow it. Listen, it happens. We all blow it sometimes. We all mess up. We all have days that we wish we could have back. But how you treat yourself in that moment can be the crucial pivot point that can make so much of a difference in your entire weight loss journey. So today, we're going to talk about how that kind of thinking of when you beat yourself up actually holds you back and literally leads to worse results. And we're going to talk about what to do instead of beating yourself up so that you can actually move forward towards results you're actually looking for. Are you ready? Let's go. Do you ever feel like you know all the diet rules about eat this, but not that, and so you know what to do? but you just have a hard time actually doing it? I'm here to tell you, you are not the problem. Hi, I'm Lizzie. Welcome to the Confident Body Podcast, where we talk about all the mental and emotional parts of weight loss that diets don't tell you. It's time to step past the shame and the guilt from old diets and stop feeling like you're waiting to lose weight in order to fully participate in life. If you're ready to drop the diet mindset and learn what it takes to truly feel happy and confident in your own skin, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back. I am so grateful that you are here today. I really consider it such a privilege that I get to be uh, in your ears. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking a minute to listen and uh, definitely hope and pray that this episode speaks to you and gives you some nuggets to take away that, you know, lifts your spirits for the day. So today, uh, let's talk about beating yourself up. I have so many clients who have told me, I beat myself up when I make a mistake, or I can be really hard on myself, or yeah, I tend to be a bit of a perfectionist. And maybe you've felt that way too. Maybe you had a night last night where you just kept eating after dinner and you didn't know why. And But then you wake up in the morning at 3 a.m. and like the meanest mean girl voice ever is in your head saying all kinds of ugliness to you. I, I don't know about you, but for me, like 3 a.m. seems to be the time of day where my most pessimistic, most negative most just like claws out kind of voice is just glaring in my head. And it feels so true. It's like all of these things that I'm thinking at three o'clock in the morning are completely true. Oy. You know, it says things like, you know, why did I do that again? I have no self-control. I'm so fat or, you know, I'm never going to figure this out. It's, it's that voice that is just, you know, doom and gloom. And then that voice gets into like, well, what will other people think of you? Like, oh, well, the fact that I have no self-control means that people are going to think that I can't do my job right. You know, this is now going to be a reflection on my values. And it just goes on and on and on. Oy, that voice at three in the morning can be so rough. We would never talk to a friend that way. Like, I cannot imagine sitting across the table at a coffee shop saying to a friend the kinds of things that I say to myself at three in the morning. I wouldn't even talk to my pets that way. I wouldn't talk to my plants that way. And yet, the person that you spend the most time with, arguably the most important relationship in your entire life, meaning the one you have with yourself, is the one where we treat ourselves the worst. Why do we do that? Okay, so let's actually answer that question. Why do we do that? First of all, it is not your fault. You're not broken. Here is why that happens. Here's why we have that 3 a.m. voice that is so critical. Um, quick aside, I actually have become so familiar with that critical 3 a.m. voice that I've given it a name called the 3 a.m. voice. And I almost like treat it like a separate person that, you know, when you first wake up and all those thoughts start running around your head, it's hard to 
distance yourself from that voice. Um, in sciencey, you know, psychological terms speak, it's a called we fuse with the thought. You know, it, fusion is when like the thought seems very true. It is me. But what I've been able to do sometimes to more or less success is to almost separate myself and be like, oh, hello, 3 a.m. voice. Good morning. I was expecting you. I knew you were going to be here. Yes, thank you for all of the yucky things you have to say, but I'm going to try and ignore you right now because I know that whatever you have to say is going to feel a lot more manageable in the morning. So like just just shush for now. Like you can be there, but I'm going to try and ignore you. So anyway, why do we do this? So it's completely normal that you have that self-critical voice in your head. It's just your brain trying to protect you. It is your brain doing what it, it does to try and keep you safe. You know, back in caveman days, we wanted to try and remain within the tribe because that literally meant safety. You know, to be ostracized by the tribe meant death. And so this voice in your head is trying to keep you safe. It's trying to, you know, help you stay within the quote unquote rules of the tribe so that you won't die. And even though that voice seems really awful in the morning or in the 3 a.m. or whenever it is, you can actually try and think of it as a friend. Though its impact can definitely be bumpy sometimes, the intention of that negative self-critical voice is to help you. So, you know, kind of going back to that idea of like treating the 3 a.m. voice as a separate person, you can be like, I know you have my best intentions at heart. The way you're going about it kind of stinks, but I appreciate the idea. I know you're trying to help me. The problem with that voice is it can backfire. It keeps us in this shame cycle of doom. So shame cycle of doom. Let's talk about that for a second. Shame, shame can be kind of like a lie. You know, when you, you, okay, let's, let's be honest. Well, we've all told, told a lie here and there, maybe a white lie, maybe a big lie, but lies tend to feed on themselves. Like you have, you tell the one lie and then you have to tell another lie to kind of cover up the first one. And then pretty no, pretty soon before you know it, there's a third lie to kind of cover up. And like, you've created this whole story to try and build this house of cards around a lie. And it just, it, it builds on itself. And shame can be like that too. It, it pulls you down into this downward spiral until pretty soon you find yourself looking up from the bottom of a bag of Doritos wondering how in the heck did this happen? All right, so let me explain. The brain is a pretty straightforward machine. It has one main job, which is to keep you alive. One of the main rules that the brain follows to ensure your survival is seek pleasure and avoid pain. Makes sense, pretty straightforward. But here's the problem. When we feel some kind of negative emotion like um, hurt, stress, boredom, grief, whatever, the brain looks for something that will soothe that difficult feeling. And sitting and being present with difficult emotions feels like not so good. So instead of feeling our feelings, the brain looks for something that will relieve the tension of that difficult emotion. Now, food, particularly foods high in sugar, salt, and fat, light up the pleasure centers in our brains like a Christmas tree. They just zing. And so from the brain's point of view, food is a really quick and reliable way to feel better. And again, brain is pretty straightforward. Seek pleasure, avoid pain. So it's a simple equation. Problem, I feel bad. Solution, seek to feel better. How? Sugar, salt, fat. So that's, that's the way that the brain is kind of making this equation work. 
Obviously, food is a temporary fix. While it does make us feel better in the moment, it doesn't solve the original issue of whatever that difficult emotion was that you were feeling. So now you're left with the original painful emotion that didn't get resolved and an empty bag of chips. So when we layer in a diet story on top of that, things get really fun. Not really. So diets purposefully try and make the weight loss seem simple. You know, just follow these simple steps and you'll lose weight. It seems simple, but there's so much more going on beneath the surface of those quote unquote simple rules that diets never address. And trying to follow the rules of a diet is like someone telling the captain of the Titanic, yeah, you know, just avoid any of that ice you see on the surface and you're going to be fine. Like there is so much more underneath the surface. And that's why diets, we'll just say they're incomplete at best. Because if it's so simple, why is it so hard? Then shame walks into the party and says, if these rules are so simple, then I must be the idiot because I am the one that can't stick to them. Something's wrong with me. And then it's not a big leap for your brain to jump from the neutral event of like, I just ate chips. And now it makes that mean, well, I have no self-control. Why did I eat so much? I always do this. I'll never be able to lose weight. The brain creates a story around, again, a neutral event. I ate chips and it makes it mean I am letting myself and everyone else down. So again, the equation is, if we're talking a little math here, no one said there'd be math. Um, It's going to be easy. Here we go. Original painful emotion. That's like one variable. Plus I ate too much. That's variable number two equals now I feel even worse. So you can see how this feeds on itself. It's like a, a spiral. I call it the shame spiral of doom. Our brains take action and it turns it into a meaning. A bag of chips suddenly becomes evidence of my failure as a human being. Shame takes that one event and it turns it into a weapon I use against myself. So what started as a simple negative emotion has now become this massive shame show, leaving me stuck at the bottom of this whirlpool, feeling like I'm doomed. The shame spiral of doom. I end up at the bottom of the whirlpool looking up and being like, how did this happen? And we seem to think that making ourselves feel really bad is the key to making change. Here's a secret. Spoiler alert. It's not true. It is not true that making ourselves feel bad actually makes change happen. It's actually the opposite. If you keep telling yourself that same old shame story as you're trying to lose weight, then you'll keep getting the same results of going up and down the scale, never feeling happy, no matter what the number says. Thoughts directly impact results. Your thinking, how you think and how you talk to yourself is the gas that fuels your journey up or down the scale. The fuel you use to change your life determines what that destination will look like when you get there. Toxic fuel is not sustainable. Let me say that again. Toxic fuel is not sustainable. I've never heard a successful, happy person say, you know, I just kept beating myself up until I reached my long-term success. Yeah, that doesn't work that way. Shame and loathing are the kinds of fuel that lead you to a desolate, empty destination. We need to learn new patterns of thinking and overwrite those old patterns that we're stuck in that keep us in that shame spiral of doom. Another reason why it's not your fault that you have that shame, negative self-talk voice is diet culture. Diet culture teaches us to avoid mistakes. We are not taught what to do after we make mistakes. And, you know, 
I don't know about you, but it's pretty likely in my life that I'm going to make mistakes. I, I do it on the, on the regular, you know, like daily, maybe even hourly. So when we're not taught what to do when we make mistakes, we're also not taught how to keep going and not quit after we do make those mistakes. And so how are we supposed to learn how to keep going when it's just avoid the mistakes at all costs? And so we end up feeling like, again, I'm the problem because I can't follow these rules. And so I end up beating myself up. But how does hating on yourself help you get any closer to your goal? You cannot beat yourself up into a better decision tomorrow. It just doesn't work that way. And then another common thought we have often is, I should know better. Ooh, that's a tough one. And we're gonna, I'm going to have a whole episode on I should know better. But what that thought, I should know better, does is it doesn't it does not leave any room for curiosity. It doesn't leave any room for improvement. It only leaves room for shame. That is the only outcome of I should know better. R- remember in a past episode we talked about the thought model from uh, of steer. So situation equal, you know leads to a thought, leads to an emotion, leads to action, leads to results. So let's take the thought I should know better through the steer process. So let's say the situation, again, is neutral. You could prove it in a court of law is I had um, too much to drink or I had too many cookies, you know, whatever. Pick a, pick a situation. The thought in our steer model is I should know better. What is the emotion that follows from the thought I should know better? It's probably going to be guilt, shame, things like that. What is the action that follows from the emotion of guilt and shame? Going back to the shame spiral of doom, the action when I feel bad, is I want to look to feel better. The brain says, let's feel better fast. How do we feel better fast? Sugar, salt, fat. And the result from that action, of course, is no progress. Losing weight is so much more about what you tell yourself than it is about what you put on your plate. If you want a different result, you've got to start where the process begins, with different thoughts. The power of loving yourself now as you're losing weight, not when, but now, is a superpower. I think how it would feel, what, what emotions and actions and results would come from the thought, I love myself enough to figure this out. What actions and results would come from the thought, I love myself even when I make a mistake or when I fall off the wagon. What emotions, actions, and results would come from the thought, I love myself enough to look for progress rather than perfection. Listen, choosing your thoughts is not about lying to yourself or turning a blind eye to when things get kind of kind of yucky. Honoring all your feelings is really important. And choosing your thoughts on purpose does help you perceive reality in an empowering way that sets you up to take positive actions towards the results you want. The thoughts you have about your weight loss efforts aren't just important. They aren't just kind of a thing. They are everything. Your thoughts are the difference between success and failure, between progress and giving up, between helplessness and hopefulness. When you choose your thoughts, new thoughts turn into new actions. New actions turn into new results and results always start with a thought. It's time to tell yourself a new story. I mean, why not, right? What have you got to lose? Start from love and you will see a real transformation. So you may be thinking, yeah, Lizzie, I'm so on board. I want to love myself. I'm in, which is great. And if so, if that's what you're feeling, then we're going to talk about how to do that in just a second. (laughs) It's also possible that you're like, 
okay, yeah, that sounds nice, like self-love, blah, 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 self-care, I know all the stuff, but like, really, I, I just don't know that that's going to make a difference for me. If that's you, let's talk about like the sciencey stuff. Why does this actually work when you change your thoughts? Okay, here's, here's why this works. The thoughts and feelings that we have come with a pharmacy in our bodies, literally. Positive thoughts and feelings trigger the release of dopamine and serotonin. Those are positive neurotransmitters in the body. Stress, negative feelings, trigger cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Cortisol causes inflammation. Whatever we get more of, our cells develop more receptors for the chemicals that are more prevalent. So when you get down on yourself or beat yourself up, A, that triggers more cortisol in the body. That leads to more inflammation. More cortisol increases the inflammation in the body and reduces the body's ability to let go of extra weight because now you have more receptors for cortisol. And so the body almost gets addicted to the cortisol. And because of the shame spiral of doom, we know that feeling bad leads to junk food to feel better and making yourself feel bad about your progress with negative self-talk triggers that downward spiral in your brain. So if you're thinking positive self-talk seems nice, but it's a little bit airy-fairy, I got you. I, I, I understand what you're talking about and how you're feeling. Lean on the science. Literally, chemicals in the body get released with positive thoughts and negative thoughts. Which kinds of chemicals do you want to have more of and do you want your body to be looking for? More dopamine, more serotonin, or more cortisol? You get to decide that with your thoughts. Okay, so... Now let's get to the action step. How do we do this? How do we actually change our thoughts and change the channel to something that's more positive? This is definitely the good news. The brain is so amazing and so miraculous because it is so flexible. I mean, it doesn't seem like it at sometimes, but you can change the channel. Just because you've been thinking a thought your whole life doesn't make it true. What? Yeah, it's, it's a thing. If you've been thinking a thought your whole life, it's just a thought. It doesn't mean it's true. The earth used to be flat until it wasn't. So the first step to losing weight is being kind to yourself and questioning those thoughts that you feel like are true and be like, well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a thought. The first step to being kind to yourself starts with how you talk to yourself. And changing your self-talk has a multiplier effect because we carry our self-talk with us every second of our lives. Again, this is the most important relationship in your entire life is your relationship with you because you talk to you more than anybody else. Everything you want is on the other side of new actions and new actions start with new thoughts. So how do we do this? The key switch is to go from self-criticism to self-compassion. And you're like, okay, what's that? So when you criticize yourself, the inner voice basically is saying, am I good enough? When you offer yourself self-compassion, that opens you up to what's good for me? So self-compassion diffuses the pain and the guilt of shame, and it gives us the grace to be human. It gives you the opportunity to make mistakes and learn from them. It's, it, it allows you to be kind to yourself and give yourself a chance to keep going, get up, dust yourself off, learn, and try again. Remember, diet culture teaches us to avoid mistakes. Self-compassion says mistakes are part of the human experience. How can you learn from it and move forward? So that may sound great, like self-compassion sounds good. What, what do I do? 
the way to do self-compassion is pretty straightforward. And I'm sure you've probably heard this, you know, at some point in your life. Basically, you treat yourself the same way you would treat a close friend. You're like, all right, that sounds nice. I've got an exercise for you coming up in a minute that is just super powerful. But imagine you met your best friend over coffee and she confessed how terrible she felt after blowing her diet last night. Would you tell her, oh my God, I can't believe you ate that. You'll never lose weight. Yeah, chances are probably not. So you might look at your next slip up or your next mistake as an opportunity to show yourself some self-compassion instead of judgment. What would you say to your friend sitting across the table at a coffee shop? And maybe think about it like the next time you step on a scale. What would you tell your friend who is stepping on the scale and comes up with a number? If you don't like what it says, how can you remind yourself that everyone goes through ups and downs like this? You're not alone. You're not broken. There's a popular Native American uh, legend of a grandfather talking to his grandson, describing the conflict that he feels within himself. And you know, so a version of it is that the elder is talking to the young warrior one day, and he says, there's two wolves inside of us. One wolf fights for your happiness, and he fiercely defends what you love, and he leads you to success. The other wolf fights for your misery, and he fiercely defends the things that hurt you and leads to your defeat. And the young grandson says, well, which wolf wins? And the elder says, the one you feed. We have a wolf inside of us that fights for our misery. Is that the wolf you want to feed? Or do you want to get to work feeding the wolf that fights for the things that bring you success, that defends the things you love, that fights for your happiness? You can get to work on nurturing the wolf that looks for evidence of progress. You can look for little ways that you are taking better care of yourself 1% of the time. Just, just one little baby step. You can choose to look for what's right with you, even when you look in the mirror. Listen, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have negative thoughts about yourself sometimes. That's okay. It's your brain being your brain. It's being human. But give those positive thoughts at least the same amount of airtime in your brain, just to give yourself a chance. Let that love in. We are innately wired to want love and acceptance. It is embedded in our DNA as social animals. And yet, when we deny ourselves that same love and acceptance of our bodies, of ourselves, we don't allow ourselves to fully show up in the rest of our lives and our relationships. Now, loving your body, loving yourself, it's not a place that you arrive at and like you check the box. And it's certainly not a number on the scale. Much as you might think so, like I'll be happy when the number says that, it's, it's not. Loving yourself is a practice. Your brain gets better at whatever you practice. And if you're practicing, I'll be happy when, then wherever you, your when is, your brain will remember that happiness is tomorrow, not today. So you got to practice. What is it like to feel happy today? It is a practice, a nurturing. It's a daily action. It's a moment by moment choice, like practicing yoga, practicing medicine, nurturing a garden. It is an act of love and cultivation rather than a race to a finish line. Practicing loving yourself and your body requires learning to practice self-compassion along the way when you make those mistakes because they're coming. Believe it. Like we all make mistakes. It's going to happen. So if you can learn to practice self-compassion in those moments, you avoid the shame spiral of doom. It requires treating those mistakes as an invitation to learn and be curious about what are my patterns? What are my triggers? Why did that happen? As opposed to, oh my God, I'm never going to lose weight. Like 
tell yourself a better story. It requires proactively choosing what to focus on and where to place your worthiness. It is not outside of you and it is definitely not a number on a scale. Cultivating self-acceptance and self-love for sustainable weight loss is not a nice to have. It's not fluffy. It's not optional. It is a must. Okay, a minute ago, I told you I would share with you a really powerful self-compassion exercise that I learned somewhere along the way. And I honestly may have uh, shared this in another podcast already, but it is so powerful. It is something that I proactively try and practice. I wouldn't say every day, but certainly on the regular, because there's so many opportunities for us to feel shame and guilt. And the more you can practice this kind of loving care for yourself, the more you begin to cultivate that relationship with yourself the most important relationship of your life. So here's the exercise. Imagine yourself as a six or seven-year-old kid. Um, You know, try try and like think of a picture of yourself from that time. You know, what what were the clothes that you were wearing at the time in this picture? So like imagine yourself this innocent kid and um, you're you're in the room that you are now. Like obviously you want to find a quiet moment to, to practice for yourself. But like sit down, close your eyes and imagine seven-year-old you walks in the door and she has tears in her eyes. And it's not the like, I, you know, hit my knee and I'm hurting. It's like, I am aching on the inside. She is feeling all of that shame, all of that guilt, all the things that you're feeling that you're struggling with right now. She's carrying all of it, little seven-year-old you. And she walks into the room. How do you treat her? How do you comfort her? What do you say to her? What What do you do to help her understand that she's just doing the best she can? It's not her fault. It's going to be okay. How do you, how do you coach her and say like, okay, what did you learn from this? What what are you going to do to get up and try again? Now I have had some people tell me, you know, if they've had a difficult time in their childhood, uh, maybe they got very difficult messaging from adults that they were not worthy. Some people have had a hard time envisioning a younger version of themselves And if that's you, totally respect that. That's okay. If that is something that you're struggling with, try and imagine a a, a pet, an animal, basically an an innocent creature um, that is coming in and and all of the difficult emotions that you're feeling, they are, all of that is weighing on this person, uh, or excuse me, on this pet, you know, basically something that is innocent. How would you comfort the the pet that is feeling all the difficult feelings? Um, I remember the first time I tried this, it was the first time I told myself I loved myself and I burst into tears and it just was really powerful. And like I said, I practice this often because we all have lots of opportunities to feel bad about ourselves and we're all just doing the best we can. This is part of this human experience to mess up and fail and worry about what other people think and you know want to fit in with the tribe and it's okay. Just keep doing your best, give yourself self-compassion and change that channel inside your mind. See if you can have a better conversation with, with you in, inside your head because you are a piece of the divine and you are completely worthy exactly as you are. Okay, that is what I've got for you today. If you're going to put in a one tiny confident body action step for this week, just take five minutes, one time this week, set aside five minutes and do that self-compassion exercise see what comes up. You know, I've had some really interesting stories come up when people have done this. And you know what? Email me about it. My email is lizzie, L-I-Z-Z-I-E, at confidentbody.coach, 
tell me what, tell me what came up for you. I'd really love to hear about it. And if there's anything in this episode that's helped you, I'd love for you to think of one person that you can share it with. You know, again, this is all about helping just one person feel like, hey, maybe you're not the problem. Maybe all the struggles you've had in the past, it's not your fault. It's just your brain being a brain. And here's a way to work with you, with your brain, as opposed to against it. And I just want you to feel a sense of hope and belief in yourself that, yeah, you can have what you want and you can feel great about yourself. And speaking of, if you would like to learn all of my thoughts about how you are incredible and a glorious creation of the divine, a piece of the master, check out my book called You Are a Miracle, available on Amazon. And remember, love yourself. Because each of us has that seven-year-old kid inside of us that hears every word we say to ourselves. Nurture that little kid with love and kindness, and she will bloom. All right, that is what I've got for you today. I will talk to you next week. Take care. Thank you so much for listening today. Real quick, before you go, I wanted to share with you that I've opened up a few new spots for private coaching with me. If you're getting everything you need to address all the mind chatter around your body from the podcast, then that is amazing. I am so glad. And if you're feeling like maybe you're ready to take what you're learning to the next level, then let's work together. There is no one size fits all program that works for everyone. So that's why we address the specific challenges that you face. And together we customize the goals and accountability that work for you so that you can start feeling confident in your skin. And most importantly, stop waiting until after you lose weight to participate in life. If you'd like to explore what that might look like for you, please go to my website and schedule a free call at www.confidentbody.coach. Or if you're an introvert like me and you just like us to get to know each other a bit, that's great too. Send me an email at lizzie at confidentbody.coach. You were created for a reason. God does not make mistakes. You have something special and unique that only you can bring to the world. The world needs you to shine exactly as you are. So don't wait. We are counting on you. You are a miracle. Go shine your light today.